listening to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. Hello, I'm Colin Steed and I'm delighted to welcome you to Learning Now Radio. Learning Now Radio is Learning Now TV's bi-monthly podcast for all learning and performance professionals. This is Learning Now Radio with Colin Steed and Lisa Minogue-White. Welcome to episode 11 of Learning Now Radio. Sadly, a key issue that still exists in modern society is about how women are being held back and not being able to make the most of opportunities for workplace career development. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Sarah Frame. Sarah has a huge amount of expertise and experience in helping women to forge ahead and obtain a successful career in today's modern world. Lisa recently caught up with Sarah and they had a fascinating conversation. So today I'm delighted to welcome Sarah Frame, owner and director of Green Onyx Consultancy to Learning Now Radio. And one of the reasons that I'm particularly excited to speak to Sarah is that Sarah's passion is on women's development. Now, for those of you listening, it may well be perhaps start of early summer that you're downloading this podcast. But back on the 12th of April in the US, it was Equal Pay Day. And Equal Pay Day symbolises how far into the year women must work to earn what men earned in the previous year. And I ought to say that actually that's only the picture for white women in the US. If you are African-American or Hispanic, then I'm afraid the picture is still worse. And that date pushes further into the year. Now, Sarah and I could debate the accuracies of measuring the gender pay gap, whether we're measuring apples with apples. Um, So I'm not intending on going into that today. However, it does highlight a key issue that still exists. And this is about women being able to make the most of the opportunities and choose the careers that are best suited to them and suit their talents and expertise and able to thrive in the workplace and throughout their careers, throughout their lifetimes. And it's something that Sarah has deep expertise in and supports lots of women in lots of different contexts. So, Sarah, thank you so much for spending the time to speak to us today. I'm delighted to get the opportunity to talk more because as you say, Lisa, it is a subject that's close to my heart um, and I really love working with women. I mean, over the past year, I've supported about 500 women through the programmes, you know, in in helping them, as you say, to make the most of the opportunities and and really fulfil their potential. So talking about really where we are today and sort of setting the scene, what are the key challenges that you see? Because I know that you start with uh, women very early on in their careers and throughout their careers. What are the key challenges and things that are potentially holding women back in the workplace? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's two aspects to it, Lisa, because there is the the sort of um, corporate infrastructure and the fact that that is still, you know, it's better than it was when I started out in business 30 years ago. But, you know, particularly male dominated industries, there are some actual systemic challenges that women have to overcome. But what I think, you know, what I really focus in on in the work that I do with women is looking at the ways in which we, we hold ourselves back. And one of the things that in general, as women, we do struggle with is to make the most of opportunities that we have and to put ourselves forward for new initiatives, new opportunities, promotions, 
speaking opportunities, new projects. There's a range of factors, but in all the work I do with women from female undergraduates at university right through to quite senior women, there are some real common themes that as women we are more likely to be affected by. And let's tackle some of those then. So as the key pattern that you see um, that is replicated, because I'm sure that actually this must change depending on the industry and the context, there'll be subtle differences, of course. But what would you say is the first area that you like to tackle and address? Really about working with women for them to be more self-aware and to recognise the potential that they do have. As women, we do tend to be highly self-critical. We do tend to doubt ourselves and our capabilities. And one of the things that um, is very, very common is imposter syndrome. Is that something you've heard talked about before, Lisa? Yes, it is. Yeah. So I think in all the women, particularly the senior level women I've worked with, I have yet to come across a woman who hasn't either struggled with or is still struggling with imposter syndrome. That feeling of when I'm, you know, I'm just, I got this job because of luck or, but actually I'm, I'm not really good enough for it. Um, and one of these days I'm going to get found out. And that is a, is a really common feeling that, that women struggle with. And it's a, because of this level of, of self-doubt, self-criticism. We, we often talk about, you know, one of the most important things to, to do in women's development is improving women's self-confidence. And actually, sometimes it's not so much needing to improve their confidence, but just to have, as somebody I was speaking to recently, a senior woman in one of the banks said, I do, I am confident I can do something, but I lack the courage to do it. And I thought that was a really good way of putting it. And again, something that as women, we do tend to just lack that courage to put ourselves forward um, so that we can take advantage of all the opportunities that are open to us. Well, I think it's really interesting, that particular point, Sarah, and I know it's something that you and I have discussed in the past as well, is that, you know, just doing uh, this endeavour itself, being part of Learning Now Radio and part of Learning Now TV has been absolutely wonderful. And I try to maintain quite a level of visibility on social media, publish content when I can, record videos. And um, I laugh with my team to talk about the fact that I have the gift of not having much dignity, which which enables me to record those sorts of videos. And I was brought up in a family, all women, my poor father had a lot of women to deal with. But he, uh, despite sort of being brought up around the Second World War, was very, very clear that he wanted all of us to make the most of our talents, whatever they may well be. And male, female made absolutely not a jot of difference. And I I feel very thankful for having that type of upbringing. However, I must admit that even somebody that on the outside I'd regard myself as quite a confident person, that that self-criticism or I hope people don't think I'm doing too much or I'm putting myself out there. Will people feel that what I'm saying is credible? Am I saying it in the right way? The comparisons, it's it's hard to avoid getting into that pattern, actually. It's really hard. Yeah, you know, that's, you've really just um, touched on something very important there that, even somebody, you know, I admire what you do, as you say, you, you know, you're very good at managing your personal brand um, and self-promotion. But a lot of women will steer away from that because they feel 
somehow it's like boasting or showing off or being pushy. People are going to think, you know, what, why are you putting yourself forward? And those are big challenges for women to overcome. And the good thing is you're, what you're saying is you, you are aware of those feelings, but because mainly because of the, the upbringing that you had, the, the culture you were brought in, you've been able to push yourself to overcome these challenges. But for a lot of people, they are very, very steep barriers indeed. But that's where we, you know, we really see, you know, and although I am um, generalizing, you know, it, it, it is true. That's where as the difference between the way men and women approach their development and manage their, their own career progress does vary greatly. Men are much more likely to put themselves forward for, for the opportunities that are out there than, than women are. We will hold back. Um, I mean, quite, there's been quite a lot of um, information in the press recently about the research that showed that women will only apply for a job if they can take the job description and the person specification and tick off 100% of what's required. And men will take, make the decision that they can go for the job when they've got about 60% of the qualifications and experience necessary. So that makes a huge difference because women are holding back from applying for things that they very possibly do have the skills and attributes to do the job, but they won't go for it unless they think they can meet 100% of it rather than you know, looking at what skills they could develop once they were in the role, but recognising that they've got natural abilities and the attitude and the appetite to progress further. What's fascinating there, and I would love to be able to bring out some data at this point, and it's certainly a learning point for me from our conversation today to look into this uh, deeper. But I wonder what the cost to industry, the opportunity cost lost is because of that in terms of, you know, we know that lots of organisations are struggling to find the talent that they need, but they may have the talent on their doorstep that simply isn't putting themselves forward. And the tangible economic cost on that really must be... you. You'd expect it to be quite big. Like I said, unfortunately, I don't have figures at, at my fingertips there, but I suspect it's the sort of thing that actually with some work you could quantify. And I, I would suspect the figure could be quite staggering. Well, actually, um, the OECD have done some research on that. And if Great Britain could achieve gender equality, the OECD's research has shown that that would raise our GDP by 10%. So that's a very significant figure. That is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that really is. We're not talking yeah. small numbers here. We're talking no, massive we're numbers. Massive. Um, the, the gender pay gap in, in the UK um, across all industries is around about 28% um, at the moment. But that can be, I mean, the financial services sector, that pay gap's up to 55%. It's massive. So, you know, there is still a significant issue. Um, far more women than men are doing part-time jobs men's bonuses on average are much greater than women's and as I said there's the two aspects to it there's there's the sort of systemic approach that that the organizations are I think taking a lot of steps to try and overcome looking at how they can remove unconscious bias and leadership that sort of thing but you know actually I, I wrote a blog some time ago and I called it we don't need superpowers we just need to speak up and that is a large part of the issue that we often look at successful women, as I'm sure people will look at you, Lisa, and think, oh, it must be great to be like that. Look at all the things Lisa does. You know, she's on Learning Now TV and she's got blogs and videos. But they'll see that, you know, they'll think, but I could never be like that. They sort of decide you've got some sort of 
version of superpowers. And actually it's not. It's about making the decision that you will put yourself forward, that you will take risks, that you'll try and move yourself, stretch yourself, go out of your comfort zone. In order to do that, we have to learn how to deal with failure because when we try something new, it doesn't always work. Um, we have to work on the, the aspects that, that hold us back from having the confidence to do it because we need to have more courage. So we need to stop worrying quite so much about what will people think of me? As you were saying, will they think I'm pushy, bossy, aggressive? So much of that you know, goes back to the stereotypes as, as people, you know, as children, despite best efforts, there's still a lot of stereotyping about um, how we expect little girls to behave as, as how, compared to how we expect boys to behave. And I think a lot of that you're saying about, um, and I, you know, I, I feel humbled. And this is the whole point is I feel incredibly embarrassed by what you just said. And I shouldn't. And that's the whole point. You should embrace that kind of uh, positive yeah. feedback, which is wonderful. But my initial reaction is, oh, my God, you know, that, that it, you shouldn't be saying that. I really don't deserve it. And it's interesting, isn't it? How and that internal so critic, exactly, the yeah, internal critic. But I have to say, because I do think you know, what you've said there is very interesting. A lot of it is about risk and a lot of it is about being happy to fall on your ass in public yeah. and pick yourself up. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, that's not, not easy to overcome. Um, so you have to start, A, you have to start and think about all the things that you've, you've succeeded in from the very small things. So I encourage people to really keep track of all of their successes from the very small successes to the larger ones, because then you start to see all the things that you are achieving. And that helps you become more, you know, have more belief in yourself. And then when you're thinking about doing something new to think, okay, so what is the worst that can happen? What is the impact of this going to be if, if I don't succeed? And when you actually start to analyse what that is, it's nothing like as scary as the sort of nebulous, vague fear of failure that, that we sometimes carry about with us. And the other thing to look at is to try, and this is something I really apply to myself, and over, over the last year and a bit, I've actually, there's been two very major initiatives that I've tried to succeed in, quite, quite big things. One was a company acquisition, for instance, and what I had to realize was that I had to try and do, you know, do everything that I could to make that happen. But some of it was out with my control. And actually, in, in terms of the company acquisition, um, it was purchased by, by another bidder. But I succeeded in trying. And sometimes that's what we've got to focus on is don't think about the eventual outcome, because some of that is going to be due to issues that, that we can't control, factors that, that, that you know, are, are external. What we can control is our decision to go and try something, making sure we prepare as much as possible, that we do everything we can to make it succeed, and then give ourselves a pat on the back and say, yeah, well done. You really did succeed in trying for that, and it was quite difficult. And out of that then comes a lot of new learning as well. So you have still moved yourself forward. I learned a huge amount from going through the process of, of trying to buy a company, which at the beginning of it just looked like a really, really huge, scary, difficult thing to attempt to do. And, and my initial thought was I couldn't do that. So, you know, whether it's a fairly small thing or a great big thing like that, we've got to just give ourselves our target of I'm going to try, I'm going to do everything I can to go for it. And I'm not going to beat myself up when things that are out with my control get in the way of the, the outcome that I would really like. 
And is there anything in particular that obviously a lot of our audience work in learning and development? Is there anything in particular that you think learning and development can be doing as practical steps they can take now to start to support this endeavour? I think so. I think we, it's important to make sure that um, women get you know, plenty of opportunities offered to them to succeed and support in doing that. So a gentle encouragement, you know, giving women the confidence, particularly at, at early stages of the careers, rather than just saying, well, you know, here's a new opportunity that's that's come up or here's a new project, you know, who's interested in doing that. And, you know, there'll probably be men will get their hand up and get to the front of the queue quicker than women because the women will be sitting back thinking, well, I'm not sure if I could do that. I'm not sure what would happen if... And I think so-and-so would be better at it than I would. And it's a very important project. So I don't want the company to have a problem if I fail with it. So while the women are sitting around having those sort of internal debates, um, the men are are up there uh, moving it forward and and getting on with it. So it's really important that um, women can get that support that, particularly at an earlier stage in their career to say here's an opportunity an encouragement to go for it you have got the capabilities to do this get out there and and put yourself forward for it and certainly the the develop personal development programs that that I run play a huge part in that and it's well recognized that for companies to improve the increase the pipeline of women ready to take on more senior roles having female role models to um, for them to get involved with, having mentoring from successful women, having um, women's networks, going on development programs, all of those things play a really big part in building that confidence and, and courage um, so that women step forward and, and, and step up. So if people are interested in that work, Sarah, and they want to engage with you more, what things can you offer? Um, well, I mean, there's there's lots out there. So, you know, without just talking about my own programs, you know, there are a lot of um, self-help groups. There's a lot of networks. So things that women really, again, you know, again, you're good at it. Women struggle with self-promotion. They struggle with getting their, their personal brand out there, you know, even defining what that is. So, you know, starting off with getting the profile in LinkedIn, being able to, you know, reach out to um, people who might be, you know, of interest to them, make connections, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody and say, yeah, I really admire the work that you do in your women's network or, you know, I've been really impressed by the project you've managed in the business. Could you spare five minutes to have a coffee and a quick chat with me about it? Making those sort of, you know, really reaching out, really being proactive about building the network and getting some good female connections is a really good thing to do. Um, and certainly for more formal programs amongst the the, the programs out there, or the, the programs I'm licensed to deliver for, for the Springboard Consultancy, the Springboard and Sprint programs, um, and I'm also response to demand from um, a couple of large corporate clients just about to launch a, a new fully online program that will give a lot more flexibility to the way in which people can can go through that sort of personal development program. But it's there's, there's so many aspects and I, I, I passionately believe, Lisa, that you know we get lots and lots of programs and training courses through our, our work through the companies we work for. But actually, if we can give people those personal development tools and start them being, you know, 
confident, assertive, good communicators, aware of their own strengths and weaknesses, aware of how to keep that development going. That's the very most valuable piece of training we can give somebody. And then they'll make more of the other types of training courses that they go on. So you can put somebody in a presentation skills course, but unless they've actually got that confidence to put themselves forward and to, to, to understand how they can confidently present, then learning the sort of theory of, of a, a good presentation is a bit of a waste. Absolutely. It, exactly so. And it isn't just, I mean, I know that a lot of the programs that you do, they're multifaceted, they're, they're looking at lots of different aspects mm. here. But you're right, I think if that can just give you the springboard to then to start to make, to be more conscious about the decisions that you make or your internal dialogue or what's stopping you or what's mm. motivating you. If you can just spend a little bit of time unpicking that a bit and being more mindful about the, the way that you perceive yourself in the workplace and others, I think it's uh, it's not an immediate journey, but once you start to pick up those good habits, it just becomes much more, much more straightforward and, and, and part of the way that you work. And I have to say, so much more enjoyable when you can let that baggage go. I don't think I've ever had as much fun in the workplace as I have over the last couple of years. It's been the, by far the most challenging work I've ever done. No question. But my goodness, has it been fun. <laughs> and it, you know, what you mentioned there is really important about the internal um, dialogue. Again, as women, we, we do tend to listen to our internal, the voices in our head telling us, you know, that, somebody else will do it better we're not good enough and and that you know is something you've got to learn to recognize and and then be prepared to overcome you recognize it's there but but realize it's not valid it's quite quite interesting do you watch MasterChef at all Lisa I do yes I love MasterChef I've just loved the last series that was on and <laughs> you know absolutely well done to to Jane you know that was a fantastic win there she was you know a, a, a woman, 50, she's been at home looking after her children. Um, she's overcome some really serious health issues, we discovered at the, at the end of the series. And watching her journey from coming in and cooking our first meal for, for MasterChef and then moving right through and succeeding all the way along was, was just wonderful to watch. And that's what I watch all the time with the, the women that I work with in the development programs. But one of the things that I'm always interested in as MasterChef is if you, if you watch it, watch it again with, from this perspective, it really, really demonstrates this difference in how men and women um, perceive themselves um, and, and the, the confidence they have in themselves. So nine times out of 10 in MasterChef, um, when one of the male contestants has cooked a meal and, and John and Greg or whoever's judging it has had a taste at it, quite often the feedback's not very good. You know, well, your presentation was not very good and the tastes were a bit confusing and didn't really work for me and that sort of feedback. Then the camera cuts to the interview with the contestant afterwards and very often, even when the feedback's been really quite negative, the man will say, well, I think that went quite well. You know, um, might it not didn't suit them. Yeah, exactly. If it's not to their yeah. taste, not to their palate. <laughs> yeah. And, and I sometimes watch it and I'm saying, what bit of that tasted horrible did you not understand? Equally, the female contestants, they can cook the meal. And even when they get 
excellent feedback, even when there's raptures over what a wonderful looking and tasting um, dish they presented. In the, the, the feedback, the, the session um, afterwards, the women saying, well, I hope I've done enough. I'm not sure. I might, you know, maybe I'm going home now. Does that more than anything demonstrates to me what I see every day in the workplace as well. We set higher expectations for ourselves. We take things much more personally. We take failure more personally. We don't look at the failure in a quite an objective way. So for me, MasterChef, absolutely, episode after episode, um, is, the, is, is what I see in the workplace. So watch, next time you watch it, have that in mind. So as a starting point for everybody's development on this subject, go on to BBC iPlayer, yeah, go back and watch MasterChef again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all the three contestants at the, the, in the final were, I'm sure, you know, very worthy winners. But it was interesting when one of the, the male contestants was interviewed after the result was announced. And he said, well, I'm, you know, I'm really disappointed I didn't win. And there was, you know, that's it. Absolutely. Of course he was. But he believed he could win it. He had quite a strong expectation that he could win it, rightly so, based on how well he was doing and, and the standard of it. But you would, I'd be very surprised to hear a woman say that. The women will say, well, I'm just lucky to have got where I got. Yeah, well, and I think that's the thing is that this is that what the you know one takeaway from this piece, and of course, Sarah, as we've said before, you know, we're talking in generalizations, and there's going Absolutely. to be shades of grey and nuance in all of this. But it is about, I think, you know, the, the main takeaway from me from this conversation is it is about being mindful and actually not just of yourself, but thinking about teams that you work with and women that are working in your teams when you are setting tasks. And you are uh, looking at performance and you are um, supporting their career growth. It's being mindful of these things. Are there real barriers there or is this something that you can work together to overcome? So you may initially put out there exactly as you've described, who would like to take this project on? Who would like to do this? Who would like to be recorded for our blog or whatever? And Mm. if you're getting that kickback, this may be nothing to do with wanting to do it or not wanting to do it. There's something else out. Should I do it? Should yes. I be the one that's doing it? And just spend a little time uncovering that and, and, and looking at that. And like you said, and giving examples of where, well, actually, it's fine. If, we, if you stuff it up on camera the first time, it doesn't matter. We'll redo it. It's absolutely fine. But um, just being mindful of those issues, I think, is a really great place to start. And, you know, I've worked with some fantastic men throughout my career you know, there's been men that, you know, one of, one of the biggest promotions I got many years ago, you know, was due to a male colleague who absolutely encouraged me to, to go for a post that I might not have. So it is something that, you know, we do have to all work together on. And that, as you say, um, gender inclusive leadership is really, really important. So a lot of the, the leadership styles and management processes have evolved from, you know, a, a time in in the workplace where it was generally male dominated particularly at senior levels and indeed at senior levels in most organizations it is there is is still a a very much a lack of parity Um, so being able to work together as you say and not just think well you know who wants to do this project oh joe's put his hand up but actually jane might be sitting there really interested in it but thinking well i wouldn't be able to do that and a little, as you say, a little bit of time spent 
will, will make a big difference in, in, in helping people to just be able to put themselves forward because it is something that they need support and help to, to be able to do. And the other thing, just when, when we were talking earlier about you and I, I was saying how much I admire that, you know, the way you've got your, your, um, you're able to promote yourself and, and your, your brand and profile. One of the other things that we tend to do much more as women um, is when somebody does give us a compliment like that is to do exactly what you did. You said you felt quite embarrassed and women will either take one of three options with the compliment. They'll, they'll dismiss it hurriedly so that because they're a bit embarrassed and awkward or they'll deny it. So they'll come up with, well, you know, it's not really me, it's, it's somebody else that did that or it was nothing really, you know, or they'll deflect it off to, to somebody else. And that dismiss, deny, deflect approach to um, handling positive feedback again works against us. So we have to um, look at how we respond to positive feedback and how we just take it and, and internalise it and build on that. Well, talking of positive feedback, this has been such a fantastic conversation and I know you'll take this compliment Sarah it really is inspirational speaking to you you've achieved so much in your career and giving back so much to something that really is very important for everybody this isn't actually a gender issue this matters to us all and as you said you know it matters to society it matters to economy it matters to those of us with children it's it's a it's an important issue and I really thank you for taking the time both today but in your career to focus on this and encourage people to think about it and, and think about it regularly. Thank you. I mean, it is something having having brought up five children and built a successful career myself. It's something that, you know, I do feel very passionate about helping women to understand how they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. You know, I'm certainly not recommending that everybody goes off to um, have five children and, and get you know, a senior level positions. But if you want to do that, it is possible. Um, and one of the reasons that I started doing the women's development work was when I sat down and thought about over the you know 30 years of working, my achievements and, and what was really important to me, it was the people, both male and female, who I'd been able to support in developing their careers and improving their lives and, and achieving things that at the beginning they thought they, they weren't able to do. That That's the legacy. That's what's really important. The targets come and go. You, know, <laughs> you, you can't quite remember what they were. But actually, you know, seeing people develop their careers and, and move on is, is something that I just think is hugely rewarding and fulfilling. And, and so I just love being able to do this type of work. Well, I hope this is just the start of the conversation and it's really made people think about conversations they'd like to have with us. So we'd really welcome your feedback um, on this episode, but also conversations that hopefully you'll start in the workplace and at home um, on this subject. So, Sarah, thank you so much for speaking to us today on Learning Now Radio. Thank you for the opportunity, Lisa. It's been a great pleasure. Learning Now Radio. All the best news, reviews and interviews. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I hope you found some useful takeaways to jot down and use back at work. And please remember to share Learning Now Radio with your work colleagues, your Twitter followers, and of course, your Facebook friends. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Learning Now Radio. Please help us to spread the word by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. And Lisa and I look forward to you joining us 
in two weeks' time.